Pitch to Riley. Fly ball, right center field, heading to the gap, back to the wall, and that's going to go all the way to the wall. Olsen racing for the plate. Here he comes. Here comes the throw. You want to walk off. You got it. one nothing Braves as they walk it off and sweep the Diamondbacks. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is. The Atlanta Braves are world champions. Welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast presented by Sports Drink. Here are your hosts, Pam Matthews and Alex Butler. Now you're on in big, big jump. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I am your host, Mr. Cam Matthews, flying solo once again this week to bring you another brand new episode of the Chatting Average podcast. Special shout out to uh, to regular main host of the show, Alex Butler, sending some good vibes his way as he was unable to uh, unable to make it this week. I uh, had something come up, so uh, sending just some uh, some special love his way. As we dive into uh, this week in Braves baseball, boy, I tell you, it has been an exciting week, and I'm going to do my best to to really recap it all, uh, riding solo. It's it's funny how you know in, in such a short amount of time, the Braves have gone seemingly from a team that, on the outside, you wished could be like other teams. You you know you wished that when you saw other teams, quote-unquote, going for it, so to speak, or, you know, or even, quote-unquote, spending stupid money, although the Braves, you would argue, are spending their money wisely, but nonetheless, opening up the checkbook, I think we're finally reaching that point, and winning the World Series last year by no means was the closing of a window, and I think the front office knows that, the players know that, and we as the fans know that, so it's reassuring to, uh, to finally see... This team, with the ownership's, uh, you know, wealth that we know that they have, uh, finally loosening the purse string, so to speak, it's it's really nice to see that finally coming to fruition. And we got a taste of that during this past offseason, of course, with some of our offseason signings. You know, I, I think the one that really... Um, really showed that to me initially was the signing of Kenley Jansen uh, right before the end of the offseason. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you a guy like that to grab him at the very end of the offseason when seemingly you thought you had reached your budget max uh, for the year, you know, that showed that the Braves were, were serious about spending more money. And then this week happens where it suddenly seems like the Braves are very serious about spending more money. So, gonna go ahead and throw throw a warning out there about this episode. Things are gonna be out of a little bit out of order than than they normally are. Um, you know, usually we have some banter in the beginning, then we do a this week segment, and then we review last week in Braves baseball, and then look at the week ahead and that sort of thing. Well, because our recording schedule is a little off this week, and because we've had some major events happen uh, between last week's episode and this week's, the pod's gonna be in a little bit of a different order tonight, but I'm putting it in an order that I feel like segment-wise makes sense for the way that we need to discuss things. Now, it didn't happen 
uh, it, it didn't happen necessarily first, but I feel like the most important thing to get out of the way first, as you could probably tell by the cold open on this week's episode, shout out to friend of the show, Ben Ingram, for another excellent call, is Austin Riley. So, Austin Riley had a had a huge walk-off Sunday afternoon against the Diamondbacks uh, in, in the bottom of the ninth inning, had a absolutely scorching hot July, uh, set a new franchise record for extra base hits in a single month with 26, uh, beating out Hank Aaron's former record of 25. And I tell you, if, if you're able to say that you beat a franchise record that Hank Aaron held, you're, you're doing something right. Uh, it certainly seems. So Austin Riley just having a, a tremendous month to the point now that it, there are serious talks of him, you know, being considered for MVP at the end of the year if, if this continues. You know, so I think uh, it, it's it's important to to go ahead and jump into the Austin Riley situation because on Monday night the Braves surprisingly, well, I almost say surprisingly, but out of nowhere, as they like to do, a pleasant surprise, gave Austin Riley a contract of 10 years, $212 million. Now, first off, it's it's amazing to see that we are locking up so many key pieces to the future. You know, when you think about the fact that we've got uh, we've got Ronald and Ozzy locked up, of course, for many more years. Um, we we immediately locked up Matt Olson after getting him. We've got Eddie Rosario locked up for for a couple more seasons here. Um, you know, we still have a lot of young talent under under control, like a Kyle Wright and a Spencer Strider. Uh, you know, somebody like that, um, and, and Michael Harris, of course, you can throw in there. But, you know, Austin Riley had had sort of become a talking point from a contract standpoint of, of when. You know, when do you make that offer? When do you make that great signing? Well, the Braves went ahead and handled it, giving him the largest contract in franchise history. And, and it's funny, when I saw the numbers come out, it didn't even dawn on me that it was that grand of a contract from a, from a franchise standpoint. But I tell you, whenever you <laughs> now whenever you get to say that this kid who... There were so many doubts about him, especially when he first, you know, after he first came up and he had that first really hot month and then cooled off after the league figured him out at the plate. You know, there was a lot of conversation about what was his future going to look like? You know, was he just a flash in the pan? Was he, you know, going to be a, a, a power hitter with low average, you know? But now you look at him, you know, his defense has improved, and he's just an all-around contact hitter, hitting for average, who could also put up 40-something home runs in a year. You know, he's become this deadly combination uh, both at the plate and in the field, so it made sense to lock him up. But now when you when you consider the fact that he has the largest contract in franchise history, I think it goes to show exactly what this front office you know, thinks of Riley, A, that they wanted to keep him in knowing that the market value were he to go to free agency in a couple of years, uh, what, you know, getting out ahead of that, of course, uh, because obviously they believe his trajectory is going to stay steady the way it is now. But B, I think it shows that the Braves are finally ready to spend some money. And so after after this report comes out, of course, you know, the speculation becomes, okay, well, who's next? You know, is it Dansby? Is it Max? Personally, I think it's Max Free that gets a contract next. Um, 
you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the... Scott for Scott's here. You ever want to grow new grass faster? Kind of like when you press the two times playback button on your podcast so you can speed through episodes. Except it's Scott's turf build a rapid grass. You're speeding your way from a thin and damaged lawn to a thicker, stronger one in just weeks. Bit too fast, maybe slow it down, okay. Let's just go back to normal speed. Get a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Rapid Grass today. It grows grass two times faster than seed alone when applied at the new lawn rate subject to proper care. Feed your lawn. Feed it. I'm Michael Judson Barry. And I'm Paris Nicholson. And we're both influencers. We're also your amazing hosts of The Social Dose, a fabulous new podcast where we serve your weekly dose of social's most important stories. It's like the yassification of news brought to you by us, Paris and Michael. Join us and special correspondence three times a week, every week. So listen to The Social Dose from something else and Sony Music Entertainment. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dansby Swanson uh, situation plays out. And I say that because not that I wouldn't love to see Dansby get locked up here because, you know, he's been a, he, he's a solid player for Atlanta who has some incredible hot streaks. Uh, whenever he does get hot, he's having a, a career year this year, uh, you know, to, to put it lightly. Uh, but I think where I'm getting with this is with the Braves having given Riley the money that they did, I think it shows that they are looking to expand expand their 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 budget you know so to speak so and and that's the thought coming out from a lot of journalists and one rumor one little tidbit that uh, Mark Bowman put out there is that many believe that the Braves are looking to have a top five payroll in baseball uh, very very soon so where I'm getting with this is, you know, Max Freed, without a doubt, is an ace. He, you know, very well might be the best left-handed pitcher in all of baseball. I would rather lock him up, and if the Braves are looking to expand how much they're going to spend in the coming offseason, if you have a chance to improve at shortstop and you can afford to do so, do it. So it's going to be interesting to see how exactly that plays out. Like I said, I would love to keep Dansby, but if there's an opportunity to to improve there, of course you do it if you can't afford it. And the way things are going, it certainly seems that the Braves are ready to to really, really boost their payroll. So you know, I think if if you find any any fault in the Riley contract. I would be surprised. It's a tremendous deal. Uh, what we're what we're getting Riley for, and it's he's he's become a franchise player without a doubt um, for us. And we've got so many young guys locked up. We've got so many young guys under control. So it's going to be you know the window by no means is closed. So there's plenty still uh, still left to accomplish. Uh, with, with the with the roster that we that we have, uh, so it was a great way to kick off the week. Uh, so I, I wanted to go ahead and get that out of the way because I know there you know there's been so much talking analysis over it. And, you know it's got us all excited. So I want to go ahead and talk about that before I dove into uh, last week for the Braves. So after taking two out of three at home from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, California, Disneyland, something or another, the Braves then hopped on a plane and headed up to Philadelphia for a three-game series against the Fightin' Phils. Monday night's game on July 25th saw Max Free take the mound and 
what arguably could be considered a, a very solid Max Freed star. Really, when you look at his stat line, he goes six innings pitched, allowing only nine hits, three earned runs, no walks, and eight strikeouts. Seemingly should be enough to keep the Braves in this one. Unfortunately, offense a little hard to come by. A three-run top of the second inning was the most uh, most noise that the Braves were able to make in this opening contest. The Phillies respond right back, tying the game up into the bottom of the third inning. The Braves take a slim one-run lead, jumping out four to three in the top of the sixth inning. And then, unfortunately, the Phillies have a big bottom of the eighth. Boy, I tell you, Bryson Stott, the rookie uh, the rookie shortstop for Philadelphia, had himself quite the night on this evening, uh, racking up five RBI on the night. So five of the six runs driven in by, by Bryson Stott in this contest. Philadelphia uh, takes game one by a final score of four to six. So Atlanta comes into the Tuesday night contest looking for a little bit of revenge. Tuesday, uh, a much different story in in this one. Aaron Nola on the mound for Philadelphia going up against the rookie Spencer Strider. And boy, I tell you, Spencer Strider really making his statement, making his case uh, for rookie of the year. Of course, just earlier today, he was uh, he was named the rookie of the week. Uh, for last week for his performance. Spencer Strider going six innings pitch, allowing only one earned run off of three hits, one walk, and six strikeouts. That one run was just a solo homer. Matching up against, uh, you know, uh, we, we've talked about Aaron Nola on the show. Before you you know what to get, you know what to expect from me. It's either going to be a dominant outing or you're going to put several runs up on him and put him up on him early. And seemingly that's what happened here. Uh, through five innings uh, of his six-inning start, the Braves are able to scratch across five earned runs on Aaron Nola. And that, uh, that certainly helps their case. Six to one is your score going into the bottom of the ninth inning. And then Will Smith, uh, who we're, we're certainly going to talk about a little bit later, comes in to finish things up and unfortunately is only able to get one out before he allows two runs. Kenley Jansen having to come into the game to finish it off. Seemingly not too happy about it either. You could you could see just visibly how angry Kenley kind of was about that situation, but Kenley able to come in uh, two-thirds of an innings pitched uh, to to get the 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 save essentially um, to close this one out six to three is your final score and the Braves have knotted up the series at one win apiece day game rolling around on Wednesday afternoon and boy I tell you these day games are starting to uh, starting to wear us down just a little bit because the Braves have had so much trouble with day games this year. And unfortunately, that did not end here today. Charlie Morton on the mound. His second his second day game in the past couple of weeks against the Phillies. And boy, seemingly the same result as the last time he saw the Phillies when the sun was shining. Uh, this time going five innings pitched, allowing uh, five runs off of six hits. Four of those earned two walks and five strikeouts. Just a game that got away from the Braves. Uh, five to, a five-run bottom of the fifth inning. Pretty much ended this one. Uh, two runs in the top of the sixth for Atlanta coming off of a massive 
Matt Olson Homer, uh, but then Philadelphia puts two more across the board in the bottom of the six, and that's how our score stays through the end, seven to two. So the Braves drop the series to Philadelphia in Philadelphia. Just all around, not a not a not a clean series for Atlanta. They looked a little tired at times. They looked a little sluggish. The offense was was hit and miss, so to speak. Uh, so you know, it's one of those that you better soon forget it than then dwell on it because we know the talent of this team and they can be better than that. Fortunately, though, they get to come home and get a little home cooking against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Diamondbacks coming into town after an off day on Thursday, Friday night, July 29th. Uh, The Diamondbacks come into town. Kyle Wright on the mound going up against Madison Bumgarner. And contrary to uh, what some may say, Alex Butler never wanted Madison Bumgarner on the Braves. There. I said it. He said it. No uh, no old tweets can prove otherwise. But nonetheless, Madison Bumgarner, rough outing against the Braves, uh, as to be expected at this point in his career, going six innings pitched, allowing five runs, four of those earned three walks, no strikeouts, and eight hits. Uh, the Braves had a one run bottom of the first, three in the third, and then tacked on another in the bottom of the fifth inning. Final score, five to two. Not really a... Not really any any drama in this one. Maybe if you look at the bottom of the ninth, Kenley Jansen didn't quite have the cleanest bottom of the ninth. Had some traffic on the Bates pass uh, with a couple of walks and a base hit. Uh, but nonetheless, he still struck out all uh, all three outs. Uh, so he gets the uh, gets the the save in that one, and the Braves win game one five to two against Arizona. Saturday night, they return to Truist Park, where this time Ian Anderson goes on the mound. And we talked about it on the show last week with Bobby. You know, we wondered if maybe Ian would get another start right before the trade deadline just to maybe see what he does here uh, with another opportunity because, boy, he's had a rough he's had a rough go of it uh, the past couple of weeks, it certainly seemed. And... Ian goes out and shoves. He, he absolutely has what could be his best start of the season uh, as he goes out and just tosses six great innings of baseball, allowing only one hit, one walk, and nine strikeouts. One walk is the biggest thing, uh, you know, in six innings. Of course, we've talked about it. You want to see more from Ian, but six innings is a good place to start, especially after five seeming to be the ceiling for him most of the time. So another, just another good start by Ian. Uh, the Braves uh, take this one six to two. Uh, some, just some good offense here uh, in, in this ball game against the Diamondbacks. But I think I think one important note that I wanted to make. Um, also, shout out to William Contreras for having two home runs in this contest. But a note I want to make about Ian Anderson is that I think for a starting pitcher, oftentimes you hear the phrase. Boy, he needed that start, right? When a guy's had a had a, had a tough stretch and he's he goes out there and is able to have a good quality start like Ian had on Saturday night, you know, you say, boy, he needed a start like that to, you know, maybe get his gears right. I feel like with Ian, though, we have said that two or three times already this year where he's had two or three bad starts or kind of rocky starts, but then he'll go out there and, and throw one like this and – the the word we well he needed one like that i feel like you know at some point 
he's he's gonna have to adjust his game a little bit to find some more consistency. Um, you know, it's not like a streaky hitter who can get saved by his defense and that maintains his roster spot. You know, as a pitcher, you are expected to perform. And unfortunately, if you're going to be very streaky like this, it's going to be hard for teams to, you know, to strongly value you and keep you around. And I'm a guy that wants to see Ian Anderson succeed. Don't get me wrong. I know I've been harsh on him here on the show, um, but I absolutely want to see the kid succeed. But I think there's some things that he's going to have to tweak. You know, we've talked about him finding a third pitch. That would be huge. Um, And so I, I'll be interested to see what his next start looks like. You know, hopefully he can carry this confidence in, in, into his next appearance. But, you know, like I said, how many how many times in a season can you say about a guy, oh, well, he needed a start like that? Because then that just tells me that that's how many times he's had the opposite result in, in a start. But nonetheless, uh, shout out to Ian for going out there and, and really getting things done. And then comes the Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon game, game three, as the Braves look for the sweep. And I, I know another another day game uh, after having losing I don't know how many in a row at, at this point. Another day game, another opportunity to sweep, which the Braves have had trouble as of late. Uh, being able to do, you know, it's it's nice to to take a series, but every once in a while you want to see a team sweep, uh, you know, how they should. And this is a game that the Braves were going to have a little bit of a challenge with as Arizona arguably was throwing uh, their best pitcher out on the mound in this one. And a tight one. I, I tell you, a, a very, a very tight one. And this one, as it was scoreless going into the bottom of the ninth, not a whole lot of offense to speak of. Four hits for the Diamondbacks, five hits for Atlanta, two of those coming in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, Matt Olson getting on base, and then Austin Riley driving him in, as you heard at the top of the show, uh, off of uh, off of former closer Mark Melanson. Uh, just gonna, gonna throw that out there, you know. How's that whole? play for a winner thing going anyway uh, uh i'm not i'm not salty at all about that situation but a, a fun a fun exciting finish to a game that really really felt like a nail biter especially when you consider the start that max freed had max freed going out and shoving for seven innings allowing only four base hits two walks and five strikeouts um you know didn't allow his first base hit, I believe, until the fourth or fifth inning. Just the first time through the order looked dominant. Uh, just another tremendous start by Max Freed. But it was another. It was one of those situations where you just you didn't want to see um, see that get wasted, you know. And I know that the Diamondbacks, you know, with with Kelly on the mound, had a great start as well. Kelly going seven in his pitch, allowing only three hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts himself. I mean, you know, Kelly dueled as well, but this, as a Braves fan, is a game that you didn't want to see waste a Max Freed start, and fortunately, they did not, um, as they were able to pull out a victory in this one off of the heroics of Austin Riley, so the Braves sweep the Diamondbacks, drop two out of three, but go uh, go four and two on the week against Philadelphia and Arizona, and so, uh, you know, as we talked about, you go four and two every single week, excuse me, uh, Dinner's catching up with me now. <clears throat> Great podcasting here. Uh, if you go four and two every single week, you know eventually it's going to come out even in the wash. So, uh, so that's the excitement as we got through the weekend. 
And now comes the fun part of the show where we get to review the trade deadline. And boy, what a deadline it would be. Okay, so I'm going to dive in now to some of the bigger trades of the trade deadline. And I'm going to try to go through them in order of how they occur. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to recap every single every single trade that was made, but I'm going to recap quite a few of them uh, just because there were, you know, it, it's funny going into the week, we were promised this wild and crazy deadline. And I'm not sure that it felt as, as frantic as maybe last year's deadline did. But as a whole though, when you, when you look at the moves that were made, it was certainly still a very big deadline. So, uh, it, Interesting things have certainly occurred over the past few days, and it'll be interesting to see just how they pan out for particular teams um, as well. So, going to start out with one that occurred actually on July 29th. Uh, Cincinnati sends right-handed pitcher Luis Castillo to Seattle in exchange for four different players from the Mariners. Seattle making a big splash out of the gate early, getting arguably the best starter on the market uh, here at the deadline. So Seattle, happy to see that they're going for it, continuing to play really good baseball and keeping to push things forward. And a move like this is certainly one that is going to make them a much better team. So uh, the Mariners getting things done early. We'll go ahead and fast forward to Monday afternoon, August 1st, the day before the deadline. The Braves send outfielder Trey Harris to the Washington Nationals for infielder Ari Adrianza. Adrianza's back. That's awesome. So it feels like we're getting the band back together uh, to, to some extent. Uh, so it's nice to get another infield uh, utility man and Cano, Robinson Cano, of course, in a corresponding moon corresponding move was DFA'd by the Braves on Monday afternoon as well. So it looks like now uh, you have Orlando Arcia and Adrianza uh, platooning at second base for the time being until Ozzy is able to return. Of course, that ter- that return timetable not necessarily set in stone. Uh, some are saying late August, some are even saying early September. So hopefully it is sooner than later. But Adrianza, Adrianza is a good move for the Braves, and he's been a solid player for us uh, last year, especially during the World Series run. So uh, happy to see him back. Monday afternoon also saw uh, left-handed pitcher and closer Josh Hader get traded from the Milwaukee Brewers to the San Diego Padres. Uh, the Padres in return send left-handed pitcher uh, Taylor Rogers, right-handed pitcher Denilson Lamette, Left-handed pitcher Robert Gasser and outfitter Esturi Ruiz. So the Padres got in on the action Monday afternoon, but still plenty to talk about with them. Uh, also occurring on Monday, New York the New York Yankees receive right-handed pitcher Frankie Montas and right-handed pitcher Lou Trevino in exchange for left-handed pitcher J.P. Spears, left-handed pitcher Ken Waldachuk, right-handed pitcher Luis Medina and second baseman Cooper Bowman. So the Yankees bolstering their already solid starting rotation with Frankie Montas, uh, getting him from the athletics. So Yankees, still a scary team, get a little bit scarier by beefing up their starting rotation. Also on Monday afternoon, Trey Mancini gets traded from the Baltimore Orioles to the Houston Astros along with right-handed pitcher Jaden Murray in a three-team deal that saw Baltimore receive right-handed pitcher Seth Johnson and pitcher Chase McDermott 
and outfitter Joe Siri goes to Tampa Bay. Look, we've talked about the Orioles the past couple of weeks, how they've been playing really good ball and how they were just in sniffing distance, seemingly, of a wild card spot. So for them to give Trey Mancini away in a trade, certainly not a vote of confidence uh, from the front office to the current roster and got to be a kick in the teeth to that fan base as well. Um, you know, for, for a fan base that has toiled with a horrible team over the past few years to suddenly feel like you're getting somewhere and to now have your, you know, your franchise player, your cornerstone guy get traded away and basically, you know, punting on your season when you're that close and you're starting to turn the corner has to be a, a little frustrating. Uh, Monday evening started to see some more trades coming through as Boston sends catcher Christian Vasquez to the Houston Astros. Uh, no corresponding move has been made yet, though, uh, in terms of the Red Sox. Uh, but the Red Sox did, however, later on Monday evening receive outfielder Tommy Pham from the Cincinnati Reds, a to-be-determined player listed on that. That'll be going to Cincinnati. So Tommy Pham heading to the Red Sox and their outfield. The Red Sox certainly had an interesting deadline. Um, we'll, we'll get into that just a little bit later. And then to close out the night in the in the late hours of the evening, I believe it was just a little past 11 o'clock when these started to come through, uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, trade for outfielder Robbie Grossman of the Detroit Tigers by sending left-handed pitcher Chris Anglin to the Motor City, a young prospect, not even really in you know a top tier for Atlanta, but picking up a, a much-needed utility man for the outfield. Uh, Robbie Grossman, of course, not having a great year, so to speak, but when you look at his numbers against left-handed pitchers, absolutely dominant at the plate. So it seems that with Eddie Rosario being really, really good at the plate against right-handed pitchers and Grossman being good against left-handed pitchers, uh, that's certainly going to be a platoon in left field uh, for the time being, it seems. So a good pickup there by by the Braves for really not giving up much of anything. And then the the bigger splash that Atlanta was able to make, it really wasn't finalized until the wee hours of the morning, but... Uh, the Braves send uh, left-handed pitcher Will Smith. Yeah, that's right. Postseason hero Will Smith uh, gets sent to the Houston Astros in exchange for right-handed starting pitcher Jake Odorizzi. Interesting move here. Uh, for one, I think after the past couple of weeks especially, the thought in many circles was that Will Smith was on his way to being DFA'd. And... Now, suddenly, this front office is able to turn him into a starting pitcher. The fact that you were able to turn him into anything valuable in a trade is an absolute win in my eyes. And sure, Jake Odorizzi is not uh, the pitcher that he once was, but for for a back end of the rotation kind of guy, which is where the Braves have really struggled this year, uh, when you consider the struggles of both Charlie Morton and Ian Anderson on the season, you know, it's not a bad pickup whatsoever, especially with some double headers coming down the pipeline later in the week as well. So for Jake Odorizzi, I, I think it's a good opportunity for him to come into Atlanta and instantly uh, help out the ball club. And for Will Smith, you know, here's a guy that through the majority of his tenure with Atlanta has struggled and has been somewhat of a point of contention for many Braves fans. But when you, you know, when you look at what he was able to do for us last October, you know, we don't win the World Series 
without his performance. So, you know, I'll always be thankful for the way he performed in October of 2021 and uh, through November 2nd of 2021. But all in all, uh, it was it was certainly a rough go of things uh, at times for Will Smith and his tenure with the Braves. So wish him the best in Houston and uh, looking forward to seeing what Jake Odorizzi is able to bring uh, to Atlanta. So then that brings about trade deadline day on Tuesday, August 2nd. 6 p.m. is the cutoff for any and all trades. And boy, things got started not about mid-morning on Tuesday with the bombshell that I think we were all waiting for. You know, the speculation uh, for this deadline, of course, was the Soto get dealt and does Otani get dealt? Well, the news came out on Monday evening uh, that Otani was going to be staying put in Los Angeles, or so it seemed. So, all of a sudden, all eyes are on the Washington Nationals and their star right fielder, Juan Soto. And I, I think, you know, we put a poll out and it's it was pretty even between yes and no of if Soto would get dealt. Um, 50-50, was, it, it was very close at least. And a lot of people, myself included, were not necessarily convinced uh, that, that a team would shell out what it would possibly take to get Soto. But then along come the San Diego Padres, who trade for Juan Soto and first baseman Josh Bell by sending left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore, outfielder Robert Hassel a third, shortstop C.J. Abrams, outfielder James Wood, and right-handed pitcher Jarlin Susanna to the Washington Nationals. Uh, of course, this is the biggest this is the biggest deal uh, of the, the trade deadline, bar none. Uh, Juan Soto, of course, being the biggest piece that was made available on this deadline. And so suddenly the Padres, when you consider all the talent that they already had, and now you add you know, arguably the best pure hitter in the game to that lineup, the Padres, you know, are making a strong push for it, it certainly seems. And by the end of the day, of course, I don't think, I think they did not have but one prospect left in, in MLB's top 100. You know, that that's how hard they rated their farm on this deadline. But as we've all seen, prospects do not always pan out. And so this is a team that certainly has a win now mentality in place. Uh, and we've got a voicemail from Sam Neer that we'll get to in just a little bit, and I'm sure he's very excited. Uh, but the Padres, of course, were the absolute winners at this deadline, bar none, even beyond the Soto deal with some other deals uh, in and out there. But Juan Soto hits the San Diego along with Josh Bell, who's having another, tr- who's having really a good bounce back year after having a rough, a rough uh, 2021, having a good season this year. So. Nationals' best two players get sent to San Diego in in, uh, in exchange for for some other uh, Padres players. One interesting note with that though was uh, Eric Hosmer had uh, had Washington on his do not trade list. So originally Hosmer was supposed to be part of that package, had to be uh, had to be brought back and, and renegotiated to elsewhere, uh, where he would eventually land in Boston along with second baseman Max Ferguson and outfielder Corey Rosaire with left-handed pitcher Jay Groom heading back to San Diego. So that's that's how Osmer in, Hosmer ends up. But it was interesting that it was almost a slight speed bump there where you wondered if maybe that was going to throw a wrench into things, but nonetheless, the Soto deal uh, still works out, and Juan Soto is now a Padre. I want I want to say this, too. I feel like this is probably a good time to 
dive into the Washington Nationals. You got to wonder how that fan base has to be feeling right now when you consider just how many guys they have let walk at this point over the past few years. You know, it all it all started uh, with Bryce Harper walking. And, of course, you win the World Series the following season in 2019. And, yes, I know flags fly forever. But how long can you milk that motto while you remain just a purely non-competitive team with no real tra- trajectory? I don't know. It's something interesting to be said. And... Uh, they're not they're not good and they're not going to be good for a while it seems so uh you got to wonder what what the end game is uh for for a team like that moving on to another trade that happened on this afternoon uh Joey Gallo hits to the L, to the Los Angeles Dodgers in exchange right-handed pitcher Clayton Bieber heads to the Yankees Joey Gallo having a just having an all-around awful year there, there's no other way to put it you know yeah, when you have when you have somebody on your team, what was it? I believe Aaron Judge has more home runs than Joey Gallo has hits this season. I mean, just a career terrible year uh, for Joey Gallo, who was supposed to be a, a real big piece to this Yankees lineup. Now, of course, the Yankees are doing just fine with no production to him, but you could tell that it's been waning on him as well in the interviews. So you have to wonder if maybe a change of, of scenery might do him some good. So uh, time will tell as Joey Gallo is now a Dodger. The Detroit Tigers send Michael Fulmer to the Minnesota Twins in exchange for right-handed pitcher Sawyer Gibson Long. I bring this one up because the Tigers finally trade away Michael Fulmer about five or six years too late. And... There, there are a couple of other similar scenarios that we'll get into here, here in just a bit as well about some of the losers of the trade deadline of what happens when a team with no real winning in their future holds on to a player for too long. Because you got to understand that when the Tigers were at their worst uh, two or three years ago, uh, well, it might have been longer than that. Michael Fulmer was supposed to be a big trade piece, and then they didn't trade him. And then he goes down for Tommy John, and then he's never quite returned to the player that he was, and now they finally trade him and get one pitcher back when they could have gotten reasonably a good haul for him several years ago at his height when the Tigers were not very good. Uh, it goes to show what happens when you know a team maybe holds on to a guy for too long, and you have to wonder if some other teams are doing that right now. Uh, another trade that comes in close to the end of the deadline of the afternoon, right-handed pitcher Noah Syndergaard goes to the Philadelphia Phillies in exchange for outfielder Mickey Moniak and another player to be determined. So Philadelphia trying to bolster their rotation with Noah Syndergaard, uh, not having a terrible season uh, this year by any means, but again, Philadelphia has plenty of other issues. Uh, wouldn't be the only trade on the afternoon, though. Philadelphia also picking off a center fielder from the Angels. Uh, I guess now's a good time to go ahead and jump into the Angels. What are they doing? I genuinely have no idea. The Angels are as confusing of a team right now in this league as the, the Rockies are. Uh, I'm just, I'm not quite sure what they're aiming to do, especially, you know, I'm not sure that trading Otani would have been the answer, but when you trade away your center fielder Moore, who 
a young guy with plenty of control, you know, I, I don't know. It's it. If, if you're going to tear it down, tear it down and do it properly. Otherwise, you are just toiling away and kind of spinning your wheels and not really getting anywhere. And once again, I'll say Joe Madden uh, was not the only problem on this team. Uh, another another uh, trade that happened close to the end of the deadline. Center fielder Harrison Bader uh, goes from St. Louis to the New York Yankees in exchange for left-handed pitcher Jordan Montgomery. So an interesting trade there where the Yankees uh, bolster their their outfield. And, you know, when you look at it in, in terms of in terms of uh, you know defensive analytics, uh, the worst position defensively for the Yankees this year has been center field. So they picked up a very solid center fielder in Harrison Bader by giving away left-handed pitcher Jordan Montgomery. Um, So, you know, it goes to show that the Yankees, despite how good they are, did have some flaws, and it certainly seems like they were able to bolster those flaws. Although I saw plenty of Yankee fans saying they would have rather gotten another pitcher along the way um but you know they're, they're still a really good team so i think they can be solidified or, or you know solidly happy uh with what they have uh kansas city sends Whit merrifield to the toronto blue jays in exchange for infielder samad taylor and right-handed pitcher max castillo uh so Whit merrifield after gosh i don't know how many years of speculation that he would get traded finally gets traded to the blue jays and, you know, more than likely not bringing in the haul that he could have brought again. Holding on to a guy for too long uh, can certainly come back to bite you. And then uh, one of the last deals of the day went to the Braves as the Braves send right-handed pitcher Jesse Chavez and left-handed pitcher Tucker Davidson, friend of the show, uh, to the Los Angeles Angels in exchange for right-handed pitcher Rysel Iglesias. Yes, the Angels' closer, who the Angels just gave a contract extension to this offseason. Again, I don't know what the Angels are doing. Anyway, so it, what this does, uh, I guess we'll go ahead and dive into the, the Braves deadline here. You know, it's been a busy few days uh, for Alex Anthopoulos. You give Austin Riley his extension, which, you know, obviously I think we're all in favor for. You're able to get out of the Will Smith contract. You pick up a back-of-the-rotation guy in Jake Odorizzi. Uh, you bring Adrianza back. You, uh, you know, you, you bring in another outfield piece, and then you bring in Iglesias to bolster your bullpen as a late-inning right-handed pitcher. You know, and the Braves now have, what, five or six guys in their bullpen who have experience closing with Kirby Yates still on the way, um, who should be coming very soon. Yeah, I think that's a solid trade deadline for Atlanta. Now, you know, we got spoiled last year, of course, but there's no way you can recreate uh, what Anthopolis was able to pull off last year. So I think it's a very solid trade deadline for Atlanta, uh, you know, for what was already a very good team and a much better team at this point this year uh, than we were last year. And we won the whole dang thing last year. So I think uh, no reason to feel to feel worrisome about that. And then, of course, the Braves go out tonight and currently are leading 10-1 to over the Philadelphia Phillies in the top of the eighth inning. Uh, so I think they are they are feeling good as they shake off the dust of a bad series. Hope to shake off the dust at least of a bad series against Philadelphia last week. Uh, a couple of other losers at the trade deadline. And I know that sounds harsh, but boy, you have to wonder about some of these teams. We already talked about the Angels uh, just having a very confusing go of things. 
uh, here at this deadline. Another team that's very confusing is the Cubs. Now, I think a lot of people fully expected the Cubs to deal uh, Wilson Contreras and and uh, Ian Happ as well, but both end up staying put. <sighs> you have to wonder if, again, like the Michael Fulmer situation with Detroit, if maybe you're holding on to somebody a little too long, because I'm not sure that the Cubs have a trajectory at this point of when their performance could rebound. Yeah, they don't exactly have a great farm system at this point. They don't have a lot of major league ready talent on their main roster beyond Ian Happ and, and uh, Contreras. So it's interesting to see both of them stay put there. Um, I know the rumor is that they're going to try to lock up Contreras in the offseason, but I don't know who's to say that he's going to even entertain that with how things have gone the past couple of years in Chicago. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. And then another loser of, of the deadline, in my opinion, is the entire AL Central. Nobody in the AL Central seemingly tried to better themselves. The only team, you know, really that made a move was the Twins picking up Michael Fulmer. But again, that's a guy that's a shell of his former self. Uh, definitely nowhere near the pitcher that he was a few years ago. So again, you know, we talked about it last week, the AL Central being kind of a division of a, a division of teams that are just like, man, one of us is going to win it. Like that seems to be their mentality. And that played out even more uh, here at the deadline this year with no teams really trying to better themselves. Uh, so again, a very entertaining deadline to watch. The deadline's always entertaining, it wasn't the flurry that it was last year, but nonetheless, some teams made some very interesting moves that it'll be fun to watch and see uh, how they play out coming down the line. So, of course, the winner of the deadline again is the San Diego Padres. So, let's take a moment to hear from our resident Padres fan, Sam Near and see how he's handling all of the excitement from today. This is official Padres, cor- Padres correspondent of Chatting Average, Sam Nair. I've been called upon to talk about the Juan Soto trade. Uh, just want to say I'm very excited about this, even though some of the names we gave up did have some upside potential. I feel like none of them will ever live up to what Soto is, so you just have to take that deal every time. And getting Bell, I was not expecting to actually pull off, but that makes me extra excited about it. Um, and I'll keep it PG, but happy that idiot uh, Eric Cosmer is gone. Uh, but a little tight, he cost us weight, but since that got us jury put in this position for that, it's a little bit more manageable, but overall, great day, happy to have Soto, and see you in the NLCS. All right, so as you can tell, Padre fans are happy to not only have Juan Soto and Josh Bell, but also to have gotten rid of Eric Hosmer, who, you know, lack of a better terms, has been nothing short of a disappointment in his tenure from San Diego. Uh, we've got another voicemail from an Atlanta number, and I think I know who this is uh, based on the content of the voicemail, but let's take a listen. Um, yes, hello? I was just wondering if you guys could tell me why Alex Anthopoulos doesn't care about winning in Atlanta. So I saw the Phillies added the David Robertson and, and Brandon Marsh, and the Braves are adding Arian Trianza. Um, did Alex just forget that you have to win ball games? 
Also, if you guys could point me to where the two former hosts of the Platinum Sombrero are now, I would greatly appreciate it. Love you guys, but, um, yeah, I just think I need a little more right now. Well, that was certainly an interesting call. Thank you, listener, for calling us. You know, it's funny that you bring up the Platinum Sombrero. Uh, So Dylan Short, of course, is off working for 680 The Fan now. Uh, You can check him out on the 643 podcast. And then, of course, friend of the show, Doc Herbert, uh, the other half of the Platinum Sombrero, is now a Twins fan. Okay, no, really. Uh, Doc and Dylan, both great guys uh, on the uh, Platinum Sombrero podcast. Uh, They're releasing episodes every now and then this season uh, through their semi-retirement, and so it's always a joy seeing a new episode pop up in the podcast feed. Be sure to go check them out. They've been been great friends to us along the way, and uh, we want to return the favor and certainly give them a shout-out here on the show. So that's really all the analysis I have for the trade deadline. Let's wrap things up on this episode with a quick look ahead at the week to come for the Braves. So quite the busy week for the Atlanta Braves this week, despite starting off with a day off on Monday. The Philadelphia Phillies are in town for a quick two-game series uh, against the Atlanta Braves. Currently, as it stands right now, the Braves have a 10-to-1 lead going into the bottom of the eighth inning uh, against Philadelphia. So that score holds true with the Mets having already lost tonight to the Washington Nationals AAA team uh, with Jacob deGrom making his first start of the season on the mound. Welcome back, Jacob! Uh, The Braves, uh, after tonight, will be only two and a half games back of first place. Wednesday, a 12.20 p.m. start, so another day game against the Phillies and another Charlie Morton start against the Phillies. Uh, So we'll see how this turns out going up against Zach Wheeler. That game starts at 12.20 on Wednesday afternoon, a getaway day for the Braves as they then travel up to Flushing, New York to take on the New York Mets in five games over the course of four days. That's right, a doubleheader on Saturday on the docket uh, for this set of games against the Mets. Thursday night's game, we'll see Carlos Carrasco take the mound uh, for the Mets. And then beyond that, there are no starters as of now listed for either team. The Braves don't have a starter listed for Thursday evening. And then uh, Carrasco and Taiwan Walker on Friday night for the Mets are the only starters uh, for uh, for the Mets currently listed. So a 7.10 p.m. start Thursday, 7.10 on Friday, 1.10 and 7.10 on Saturday for the doubleheader games, and then a 4.10 p.m. start on Sunday. So when you look at it this way, uh, worst-case scenario, the Braves are <clears throat> three and a half games back going into a five-game series against the Mets. Again, this is how the division is going to come down to it this year. It's going to be neck and neck. And, you know, getting this late into the season as we're now into August, these series against the first place New York Mets matter. They matter a lot. So a big series for the Braves coming up this weekend. Going to be a fun one to watch. Going to feel like playoff baseball, I'm sure, uh, up in New York. Uh, So it's going to be really fun to watch that and then recap it. Uh, next week on the show. 
And of course, we want to remind you that today's episode of the Chatting Average podcast is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or on social media. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled just like sports drink, but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in to another episode of Chatting Average. I was happy to be able to bring you another episode and give you some hopefully fun analysis on the inner workings of the trade deadline this past week. And uh, hopefully Alex should be returning to the show next week with us uh, at, after his absence. I know we'll certainly be ready to have him back on and getting back to, to some of our regular programming. But, you know, thanks to everybody for continuing to listen this season. It's always a blast. Thanks to uh, thanks to Bobby for helping out a couple of weeks over the past month. Uh, and thanks to Donahue for trying to help a couple of weeks ago when uh, when technology had other plans for us. Uh, you know, it, it, take, it takes a village to really keep this thing going. It's not just Alex and I. It's, of course, uh, plenty of friends to help along the way and listeners like you. Uh, so we want to thank you for tuning in. So for Alex Butler, this is Cam Matthews signing off another episode of the Chatting Average Podcast. We'll see y'all next week for a brand new show. Bye! has been the Chatting Average Podcast brought to you by Sports Drink. Be sure to check out our merchandise store at teespring.com slash stores slash Chatting Average Podcast and please consider becoming a patron of our show at patreon.com slash Chatting Average. We'll see you next week for another brand new episode. <laughs>